What's up guys, welcome to episode 6 of Dream Chasing 101. Today we're going to be diving into the world of filmmaking um, with a very talented filmmaker and YouTuber now. Um, and yeah, I'll just leave it up to Austin to introduce himself and you know tell, tell us what he does. Yeah, okay, yeah. So my name is Austin Paul. I'm a filmmaker born and raised in uh, Santa Cruz, California, and then kind of went off and ventured for a little bit into college up north and then came back down and now I'm living in San Francisco uh, with my own production company. Yeah. Nice. Um, you know, the, the question often that I ask on this podcast is when you were at your, I want to say your teen years, so around 15, 16, um, when you kind of had a vision of what you'd be doing in the future, was, was filmmaking one of those things? Um, it actually was. So, um, I went to high school at just a regular high school in California. And what we have are these programs called ROP programs. And it's like, I, I think, I don't know what exactly it stands for, but it's recreational programming or whatever. And it's kind of like an elective that you can take besides your core curriculum. And mine, I always loved filmmaking. Ever since I was young, I watched this documentary on Steven Spielberg and how he made films when he was young. And so I would put a camera in my hands and kind of run around and it would, it would teeter. I mean, as much as a kid going back and forth. So I'd make a few films with my cousins, forcing them to be in my films. And then horror films where we like roll them down the hill like at six years old I'm like no you're gonna have to roll down this hill for this terrible like making them do all their own stunts but um yeah that was kind of my start into it and then in high school the ROP program I kind of learned a little bit more about editing on Final Cut back when it was Final Cut 7 or Pro 7 and um I was really really into it and so I took it actually for two years my junior and senior year of high school even though that there was only there wasn't like an advanced one so she made an advanced course like especially for me and one other person but my friends were really in the filmmaking too and but what I noticed is when we would film I was kind of like the only person that would really want to get it done kind of thing like I would be the everybody else would take that time to because we had a lot of free time to go kind of just joke around or uh, play video games and I always wanted to make films so I noticed that like kind of right then and there that I was kind of a little bit more driven towards this than I would say the people that I was hanging out with. Um, but then right after all of that, I was talking to a counselor, like my guidance counselor for college. And they told me, don't go into filmmaking. You're not going to make any money. This is a really stupid idea. And to be fair, this is before like the internet and everybody wanted marketing videos. So, you know, um, I could see where they're coming from. They're like, you have to know somebody in the industry, blah, 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 blah. And so I just stopped filmmaking completely. Uh, the community college I went to didn't have it or offer it. And then finally, when I went into college, I went into this, I went to the same college that my brother and sister were going to up north. It's called Chico State. And they have a filmmaking program. And I use quotes because it's communication design multimedia. And I think during that whole program, I touched a camera twice maybe um and so it's not like i i always say that i've only been filmmaking for three years because it's not like during any of those processes like i learned some stuff but i really didn't actually start filmmaking and learning anything until after college because that program was pretty much kind of useless 
and most of the time we just all partied and hung out and had a good time in college. So, you know, as much as I just, I showed up to my classes and made sure I got good grades, but I wasn't, you know, that wasn't my main priority. Um, and so it was right after college, I didn't have a job. I moved back home into my parents' house, into their basement. So, you know, really cool. And, um, I was really lost actually, like for a year and a half, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just, and nothing against people that have a nine to five, but I just couldn't see myself in a nine to five job sitting at a desk or an office. And I started getting into kind of like a downward spiral depression, just thinking about it. And it wasn't because I was lazy. I knew that I was motivated. I knew that I'd work hard because jobs that I did have, I would work hard at, but it was just nothing that inspired me. And I tried to envision myself. I was like, okay, can I be at a nine to five behind a desk just um, for two weeks? And I envisioned, and I was like, yeah, I can do that. And then I was like, what about four weeks? And I was like, not, and like, I just started picturing, I was like a month into it, two months into it. And I was like, no, I couldn't do this. Like I would, well, I'm, I'm a pretty extreme person, but I was like, I couldn't like live with myself pretty much if that was yeah. what I did. And so at that point I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go straight into filmmaking. I'm just going to do it. And, um, I sold my Xbox and I sold some random stuff that I had and bought, bought a camera and um i just started running around and filming everything i could in my hometown um it was actually kind of because my brother was more into like photography and filmmaking and he introduced me to, he's like oh check out this guy named sam colder and so i saw like his work and so i wanted to do something very similar and that was about three years ago um something similar to his like hawaii travel films when he first started yeah. and so I was running around my hometown and trying to make something like that. And I knew that my hometown of Santa Cruz, that people are very, um, they're very proud of their hometown there people. And so I kind of was banking. I was like, okay, people really love it. So if I make something about it, people are going to see that and it's going to go great and blah, blah, blah. And I knew nothing about filmmaking. Trust me. Cause I didn't know what ISO was. I didn't know what aperture was. I didn't know what shutter speed was. I just, turn the camera I was turning the knob on the top which never do and I didn't even put it on auto I put it on uh scenic scenic mode and I was like oh this looks really nice in here and I shot the whole thing like that not knowing anything about filmmaking and just you know just did it and I think so that was like three months of getting up at sunrise every single morning and sunset but it what what happened there is because when I was in that depression, I wasn't really doing much, you know, sleeping in, uh, doing nothing that was really productive for my day, working for my parents. And when that happened, it gave me a drive again and it made like there was a purpose, something for me to chase after. And then once I had that, like I've never let go of that and I've never stopped filmmaking since that point. And I, and I know a lot of people say, you know, they're like, oh yeah, no, like I, I started filmmaking. That's, that's what I did. No, like every single day you could, you can ask my girlfriend. It's probably pretty obnoxious, but like I live, breathe, sleep and eat filmmaking. And it, it's just something that I'm addicted to really. And, um, it has been a very interesting process because sorry, I jump around a lot, but so I made that, I, I made that video and I put it out on Facebook and this is back when Facebook didn't like 
uh, like, cause it was on YouTube, you know, and this is back when Facebook didn't like screw you over if you like put a link to your YouTube, right? And I posted it and I was so nervous to post it. And all of a sudden, um, like a few hours into it, everybody I know was sharing it and people I didn't know were sharing it. People were reaching out to me and it just started like, well, blowing up, I guess. And like in a week's time, it got like 30,000 views and I was just blown away. And <laughs> I was like, all right, I made it. I did it guys. And uh, laughing out at that, how dumb, dumb of a thought process that was. I don't think during that time from when I posted that video until a year and a half later was the first time that I actually made any money on a shoot of my own. Um, like I did like small jobs where I'd, I would like work for people and stuff in between that time. And I'd always keep myself busy and I'd be filming my own stuff. But yeah, it took a year and a half from the point that I released that video to actually making like a dollar on what I did. Yeah. And so I like, that's, that's why I laugh about that thinking that I thought I made it kind of thing because people were offering, they're like, Hey, we'd love to, you know, have you uh, make a film for us. Thank goodness they didn't because again, like I still had a process and I still had a journey that I had to learn a lot of things because I definitely mm-hmm. wasn't prepared for, uh, making somebody a marketing video at that point. And, and what, where did you, obviously you said that at your community college, you didn't really learn anything in that, in that course, look into, to gain that knowledge of, you know, how to use a camera, the simple settings, the, those kind of things. Were you one of the, you know, were you like us where you'd go into YouTube and try and figure those things out? YouTube, YouTube for everything, man. That's honestly, I learned every single thing I know about filmmaking besides, you know, just trial and error is through YouTube. And that's honestly what I tell people. People ask me all the time, they're like, how can I start? How can I do this? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's hard to like say just in words, oh, just do this and it's going to work out because you really do have to have drive if you want to be successful in filmmaking or anything really. But I mean, I c- couldn't even tell you how many hours I st- spent on just looking at tutorials, understanding. I think I probably li- listened to about 30 or 40 tutorials on ISO aperture and shutter just to understand it. Cause it was so like, I don't know why my brain couldn't grasp it for like the longest time. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, just different tutorials, learning things, camera tips and tricks, techniques, you know, and there was only like a few people really doing tutorials back then. It wasn't as popular to be doing tutorials or, and so I would be watching a lot of people's films too and trying to like digest those and more like the travel-esque kind of stuff because I was like, oh, being a travel filmmaker, that would be awesome kind of thing, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, everybody like wants to do that. That's, that's a exactly. dream, right? To we, we, to we've all around. been there thinking about it. Like, you know, that seems like the perfect thing to do. And while kind of being on YouTube and, you know, searching through various tutorials, do you have any YouTuber that like you used to always go to when they release a new video, hoping it was a tutorial or, you know, that one YouTuber that you used to always watch and kind of gain a bit of inspiration from? Well, so yeah, I mean, I'm not to tread lightly on this, but um, it was, so I would watch Sam Colder like when I first, first started and him and Matt Como and Taylor cut, I'd watch all their stuff, you know, and I enjoyed it, but I realized really fast that everybody was copying exactly what they're doing. And so I stopped following pretty much 
early on I stopped following a lot of filmmakers or like uh, very popular filmmakers and nothing against them. Their work is incredible. Like I still look up to a lot of their work. I'll see it pop up, but I just didn't, I wanted to start going my own path once I started learning yeah. enough techniques that I didn't want to be copying people and be like, oh, because even when you watch something, you definitely get influences from that and that's totally fine. But I just, I knew that if I kept watching their stuff, then the only stuff that I could emulate was that. And I wanted to make my kind of my, yeah, I wanted to make my own path. And I mean, it's taken a long time to kind of make my own voice with uh, filmmaking. And I'm still always trying to figure that out because it always is changing and it really just depends on what I'm shooting at that moment. But um, yeah, I feel like I'm sounding pretentious on that, but I, I know I just like, I just didn't want to, I just don't want to, you know, copy people's much. I know we all like get inspiration from people, but I want to, I want to be very unique with the stuff that I come up with that or to the best of my ability, you know? And if I'm always watching other people's stuff then I feel like then all of a sudden, like I'm going with their style and not my own kind of thing you know yeah yeah no i i can kind of relate to that especially on the photography side as well because obviously video is is a bit harder to kind of create a finished piece whereas photography is like one piece you know it's like one picture and you can edit it quite quickly and i found like um with certain edits and those kind of things it's so easy to start implementing someone's style without you even kind of recognizing it and you just look at the photo and you're like this looks so similar i wonder where i saw you know where does it kind of resonate from and then you you look back and you're like oh it's like peter mckinnon and it's like you just see that so often and yeah i, I, I kind of feel you, you it's so easy for and it's subconsciously it's not necessarily you just trying to copy it's just you're so used to seeing that one style over and over again that you kind of just, um, and then when you got your first camera, do you remember what camera it was? I mean, it's only three years ago, but yeah, it's not that long ago. <laughs> well, so my first camera I actually bought was, um, my first, first camera that I bought was a Canon T6i Rebel. And I had that, but that was before like I decided to like do the full time or go full into filmmaking and I bought that um I think it was like I don't know what the whole package is like around 700 US USD and I don't think I think I used it once and because I wasn't like I said I wasn't ready for what I was going to do or wanting to know what I really wanted to do with my life and I just didn't see it as a possibility yet and so I don't think I wanted to take that leap but um, I don't even know what happened to that camera. I think I might've just sold it like a few months later. Um, but my first camera, when I actually went into the filmmaking, filmmaking that I bought was a Sony a7S II. And I loved that camera a lot. That was a okay. pretty solid camera. I mean, still, I mean, the image quality still is pretty amazing. It's insane though, even in the three years, how much camera technology has changed and even the pricing is just, it's mind blowing. And I mean, Definitely the camera companies are riding the train of people always wanting to upgrade gear, but it, it is pretty insane how fast things have even changed in what three years and like Canon's about to drop what an 8k camera for under $4,500 for somebody that's insane. So yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that. Why do you think about the, it's the US R5? 
Well, what's mm-hmm. your thoughts on, on the specs on that? I mean, for that price, obviously you own um, a Black Magic. I think it's an Ursa. The Ursa you mm-hmm. own. So what's your thoughts on, yeah, so, you know, Canon kind of jumping in at that price point with, with the quality? I, I, think it's, I think it's great, honestly. I So I'm, I'm not one of those kind of people that says don't upgrade your gear or your gear doesn't matter. Um, I, I mean, it does, obviously, or people want to be shooting on red cameras for like uh, cinematic productions. You know, it's so... I mean, your gear does matter, but it matters to a point because you should upgrade. You should be upgrading your gear accordingly with your skills. I feel like, and you got to know when you're ready to do that. Like, I wouldn't say jump in as your first camera and buy a red. That's really yeah. dumb. Person, personally, that's a lot of money. A and B, like you're just gonna confuse yourself. But like, start with a phone if that's all you can afford. And then once you start getting gigs, you know, or even like a Canon T6i. I don't even know if they make those anymore, but for a cheaper end camera start with a cheaper end camera and then once you start getting gigs and making money then like upgrade with the jobs that you have coming in don't upgrade just to upgrade yeah. thinking that's going to get you more jobs it never does you know upgrade because of your skills are increasing and your demands increasing and um so i mean i think it's really great that they're coming out with a camera like that i mean i'm still curious because i know canon to always you know drop something that is going to cripple the camera so i'm very curious i mean with the 1dx mark 3 for some reason they just decided to leave autofocus out of you know the 60 frames for 4k and 5.5k so i don't know we'll we'll see that's another thing with the 8k camera like i don't know how people are going to handle you know <laughs> shooting 8k on there the yeah. yeah yeah exactly so yeah, let's let's dive into that a bit. Um, so you you edit on Mac and you edit on Final Cut Premiere because you use After Effects quite often. Is that why yeah, you've, you've uh, chosen here Premiere? And here and there, for a, a lot of the times, from very simple stuff, it just depends on the video that I'm doing. Sometimes it's just removing wires and stuff, and. Um, it's way easier to do an After Effects than Premiere. And once you get comfortable with Premiere, I kind of I kind of do this for photographers, like the analogy. Premiere is like Lightroom and After Effects is like Photoshop. With if you you know if you know how to learn and use Photoshop, like there's endless possibilities. And that's the same with After Effects. I mean it's it's a little bit more complicated. You know, I don't edit my actual videos in there. I'll just take the clips over there and I bring them back into Premiere. It would be a headache and a half to try to edit my videos in there. I mean, I've never attempted it, but like I just edit certain clips, you know, to do different effects too and stuff like that. So, yeah. And have you, what's your thoughts on DaVinci Resolve? Have you ever tried it out? Or? Um, I was this close to switching to it. This close. So, because, well, two reasons. I don't, I've never used a buggier program than Premiere. Holy crap. Does it, like, all the time, I will cross my fingers. Anytime I need to warp stabilize something, I will press command save. And then be like, let's see if it doesn't do it this time. <laughs> and just, and I'll throw a warp stabilizer on, on, like, a random clip. And all of a sudden, just doof. And sometimes I won't even be doing anything. Yeah. Like, I haven't done anything to the timeline. And, I, like, I haven't clicked anything. And all of a sudden, it just goes sorry and just like quits out and i'm like cool so i have my auto save on 
about like every five minutes just in case because I've had terrible times and sometimes the autosave doesn't work and I'm like, oh my gosh, it, I just edited for a freaking 30 minutes and everything I just did just went away. So Adobe, fix your crap. It's not that complicated. Everybody else seems to get it right. I don't understand why your program crashes so much. That's just gonna be my speech to them. Like they're very lucky that, you know, like they are one of the, like they built up to be one of the biggest where they can get away with it crashing the most. But I know a lot of people switching over to DaVinci, not only because the color grading is just so much more powerful, but because you're not dealing with that pretty much. I, and the re yeah, the reason I was that close to switching, I actually switched because I told you I used Final Cut Pro 7 uh, back in the yeah. day or Final Cut Studio, whatever you want to call it. I forgot which one it was. I mean, they were very similar. Um, but I switched because when they decided to upgrade, when Apple decided to upgrade it to Final Cut 10 at first, it was garbage, like straight garbage. Not, not like nothing against them, but they made it exactly like iMovie. And it was so bad. They're like, oh, it's gonna be user-friendly for everybody. And they're, and I'm pretty sure at the time they were one of the industry standards for, not industry standards, but one of the standards for most um, smaller filmmaker, like smaller production companies and filmmakers. And then they made it exactly like iMovie. And at that point, I had to learn something new. So I was like, forget it. And so I forced myself and I learned Premiere, which was a process, but so happy because I mean, I love After Effects and I love how seamlessly I can work between the two. And so I'm, I wasn't trying to crap on, uh, premiere too much i mean i know it crashes a lot and it's very frustrating but honestly I, I i love it and but i was close to switching to um da vinci because i bought the 1dx mark 3 and i wanted to shoot in raw on it but the problem was is that uh premiere uh the codec does you can't use the the raw on premiere and so i was this close because i was like okay i want to start shooting in raw Otherwise, I'm not really utilizing the camera at all. And I was about to start learning it. And then I found out that Premiere just launched a beta that allows you to to drag their raw clips in. So now I have the beta and I've been working with that. So it's a little it's a little laggy and there's a little, few little glitches, but, okay. you know, nothing I'm not used to. So <laughs> just you just got to save every like 10, 10 seconds. Just click save, save, save. save yeah. Save just getting no no work done whatsoever <laughs> and what's your thoughts on the 1dx mark 3 do you think that's quite quite a big upgrade from the 1dx mark 2 um if you're gonna use it for the raw i mean uh parker Wallbeck does a really good comparison side by side of the two there is a difference you know is the average person gonna see it no but are you as a filmmaker gonna notice it and can you have more capabilities with it yes I mean, first off, like the 5.5K is awesome because that gives me, what, 25 percent um, to play with on a 4K timeline without, you know, degrading the resolution at all. Like I can I can drop it to 75 out of 100 and that's pretty awesome. And then also I just shot in the raw for the first time, like I said, and I and I was a very, very like dark, darkly lit commercial like purpose on purpose. And the dynamic range on it at 12-bit is freaking amazing. I I have things that are pitch black in there, and it's still it it does it on the on my scopes. My scopes are reading perfectly fine. There is detail. There's no grain. It doesn't go below zero. 
at all. Like I'm not crushing my blacks and I'm, I'm just blown away. Like, and also like there's lightning in it too. So like you're getting really bright, intense flashes. Doesn't even come close to blowing out the highlights at all. And if I tried to do that in my Mark II, there'd be, there'd be no way, you know, so. You mentioned you, you own your own uh, production company. So you run your own production company with that. How do you, how did that come about? So like what made you want to start your own production company and not go and work for a production house already? It's already been built. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of, on my timeline, I skipped a little bit. So right after college and I graduated in that, in that like down period of time, the first thing I did out of college, I was offered to work on, um, a feature film in my hometown. And so I was a PA on that and I did all that. And then I eventually got to become a production manager and I did not like the experience whatsoever and nothing against, I mean, I, I learned a lot, but at the same time, I realized doing that and going that route that I would never get to be a creative, you know, you can't be like the best production manager and then be asked to be a director on your next, your next shoot. And so that's kind of where I did that flip flop and then bought all the camera gear and started doing my own thing. And during that time, people would start noticing my work as I was getting better and better and bring me in and they're like, hey, I have this idea, I have this dream, I'm a filmmaker, like I run my own company, blah, blah, blah. So I'd work for other people and I just don't know, I it always came down to the same kind of thing is that I would eventually be working harder for their dreams than they would be because I had a drive and passion for filmmaking and I just, I realized I was like, why should I be working for somebody else's dream uh, or like try to make their dream uh, work when I'm working harder than them and I can just be making my own dream work. And so I kind of wanted to have my own creative freedom as well, because when usually when you're working for people, unless you find a really good fit, you know, I just, my, my opinion would never be valued. And you know, my skills wouldn't have grown as much. It was more of a risk and, and I was broke for a very long time, but you know, you have to kind of take that jump and take that period of being broke or, you know, barely getting by to be able to have that access to be, uh, you know, that, to have that opportunity, you know. If you listen to any successful person in their backstory, it's always that they had to take, they had to, and it doesn't work out for everybody, obviously. I'm not gonna say like you take the risk, it's gonna work, but none of these successful people didn't take a big risk and a big leap yeah. of faith, right? You know, they had to, to get to where they were. And that just kind of, part of the whole process and formula of success at least i believe so so you know when you took that big um that big leap of faith what were the first few things that you kind of checked off the box so i don't want to just focus on gear but i want to focus a bit more on like the the mentality going into it obviously you said you know you struggled to get by for a bit but what were the 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 few things you kind of started off doing um when starting your own company uh, yeah so I kept myself busy a lot by offering free gigs. And I know a lot of filmmakers that will say, never, especially once you're established, don't offer free gigs. And I don't believe that at all. I think free offering free gigs to people is a great opportunity to get your foot in the door. And not only that, to show people what you have, especially if it's something that you've never done on your portfolio before, like a certain style. I mean, for example, all, all these product videos I did bef like two months ago, I never shot a product video in my life 
And so, exactly, exactly, right? And so I started shooting them for fun, right? And then I got better and better. And I was, because the whole, my whole mindset was, hey, I need to have this for my portfolio. So nobody's gonna hire me to do, I wanna do product videos. Nobody's gonna hire me to do them if I have never done one before. So let me make a few, you know, get good at it and then show them to people. And then I did, and now like I'm getting consistently hired out and booked up for multiple months now um, just because of that. And so like the whole free to fee thing, I think is a very uh, good way to a get your name out there, but you're always creating content. You shouldn't be ever waiting for <laughs> nobody. Yeah. My the mentality of life is that you know we're, we only we only see what what's going on in our own heads, right? And so it, we, in a way, we kind of think you know like every like not in a conceited way, but like your like life kind of evolves around you because you can only see from your perspective, right? But yeah. that's how everybody is looking so nobody really cares what's going on in your life and they're not going to just be like oh let me go see what austin's up to and hire him from something no you have to put yourself out there you can't wait for the opportunity to come knocking the knocking on your door you have to start knocking on everybody else's door you have to be that really annoying salesman pretty much and the way that i did that starting out was i made that santa cruz video and then i had this huge bucket list of different things I wanted to experience in life. And so I was like, hey, people really like the Santa Cruz video. I'm gonna use that as leverage. That was my portfolio at the time. Yeah. And I took that video and I started reaching out to all these different cool experiences. I reached out to a professional bull rider and I said, hey, if I make you a video, will you let me ride a bull? And he said, yeah. And so I made him a video and I got to ride a bull. So not only did I get to film something really epic that would, if you were kind of going the regular route, right? or to get hired, it would take a long time to get to something that unique, right? I got to do that right off the bat, so I got something really cool in my portfolio, and I also got to have a really cool experience. And then from there, I reached out to a race car company about Formula 3 racing in Laguna Seca, and they let me race the cars on Laguna Seca and trade for filming, you know? Because they're like, oh, that's that doesn't really cost us anything to let you yeah. uh, ride them. Yeah, exactly. And then, then my portfolio just kept growing and growing and people were like, whoa, you're filming this? And they didn't know that it wasn't paid for, right? And so then I'm getting hired by other companies because they're seeing that and they're like, wow, this guy does some serious <laughs> filmmaking, you know, and little do they know, like I have no clue what's going on. I'm just having a good time trying to film stuff. And that was always my mentality. And any time that I had like, a mole or I wasn't getting hired for something, I didn't sit around. I would I would always be studying or watching tutorials or I'd have a film a camera in my hand and I'd be making my my next film, whatever that would be. You know, like I'm always trying to not sit Find around. Yeah. Like this yeah. whole time with this whole COVID thing, that's why I started doing the pro the production I mean the product videos is because I said, well, well I can't really do anything else. my whole business pretty much just tanked because marketing videos aren't happening right now like going to different companies uh, locations yes. and uh my other income was wedding videos and both of those not happening at all for like probably for the foreseeable future as of right now right and so at least in california and so i decided i was like i'm just gonna make these like what does what does it hurt for me to learn something new yeah. and like i've learned so much in this process i think in those two and a half months i've made 15 16 different product videos already. So, yeah. 
you know, and like how much you can grow. Like I, I can even see that my first one I never even posted. I was, I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. But that's that's for anything new that you're trying, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of people are afraid to fail, but don't look at failure as actually failing. Look at it as a step towards success because then you're learning how to do it right. By doing it wrong, you can learn how to do it right and be like, okay, well, that didn't work. Maybe I need to rework this to take that next step. And then you get better and better and slowly and stuff. So that's always been my mindset with filmmaking for these last three years. And I mean, it's definitely gotten me, it's made me enough money where like, you know, like I can uh, financially just do this full time. So, I mean, to me, that's successful. And I mean, I'm stoked about that. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a billionaire or anything, but <laughs> I, I do enjoy what you do. I enjoy what I do. I love it so much. And I love just creating. I think, I mean, you have to, if you want to do this, you have to love what you do. Don't chase it for the fame or for the money. Cause if you're chasing it for the fame or money. It's a terrible reason to get into it because <laughs> it's very hard to make money in, in doing this as a freelancer and be it's very hard to become famous doing it as well, you know, so. I think, yeah, I think that's kind of the main thing here is like with this podcast as well, it's kind of just chatting to people who firstly enjoy what they do um, because then you, your points of view and your points of reference is always from um, being happy. And I think, you know, with the way things are in the world right now, that's kind of where you, everyone would ideally want to be is just being happy with what they do. Um, and this kind of digresses into the next question I want to ask you is why YouTube? I think I have a, my own YouTube channel based on golf and the content I do there. And my reason was kind of just enjoying the creating aspect of it. And, um, yeah, I just want to find out why did you kind of choose YouTube and, and why the tutorials, you know, what makes you, um, put out that type of content? Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Well, I mean, this is going to be all over the place. So, um, why YouTube? I mean, now why do YouTube for most of my content? I mean, I still post on Instagram and Facebook, but it's like, I, I'm always trying to direct it towards my YouTube because I think there's just a lot more potential opportunity there. Um, for example, like, I mean, you can, build up your Facebook, you can build up your Instagram, but for filmmakers, if you have like a solid following on YouTube, I, you know, like I just, I mean, personally, now that it's been built up more, like I'm getting offers all the time for things, right? Paid offers for things comparatively to like trying to build up my Instagram and stuff. As a filmmaker, I just think it's a very powerful platform because not only is there so much resources for you to learn as a filmmaker yourself, but Facebook, you know, things go away eventually on the timeline. Same with Instagram, but YouTube, those things, like there is a landing page. There is a place for people to search and your, your, your video can be up there for a year and then all of a sudden just explode. And then that happens to people all the time. You know, it just really depends. And I think that's what's unique about YouTube comparatively to the other two. And I'm not going to get started with TikTok because I'm not going to do that. I know everybody's yeah. jumping on that, but... I, I tried it once and I was like, this, this is not for me. So I already have enough social media platforms that, you know, but, um, why I started the tutorials itself, I was doing like editing tutorials of like different effects already on there. Um, yeah. but I mean, I guess people don't see those, see those as, as valuable, I guess. Um, but 
I did the product video one because I think actually my first product video was before the whole COVID thing happened. And um, I wanted to, because that's where I kind of wanted to move my business into because I thought it'd be cool. I was like, oh man, I always see these beautiful product videos like Chris TV and the slow motion shots. And I was, and I was thinking that'd be so cool to do eventually one day. And um, I so I started wanting to make my own, but I was on YouTube and I couldn't find any tutorials on product videos product photography plenty and so yeah. what i did was is i looked about through like 40 50 different like product photography tutorials and kind of took all that information and then made it more tailored to video because there wasn't anything that i could find at least and then once i made that well the first one like i said it was terrible so it never saw the light of day but once i made the second one I realized I was like, well, I don't want other people to have to like filmmakers to have to go through what I just went through because nobody's ever going to do it then because it's so dang complicated, you know, trying to take like flash and then em emulate that, which is it's similar. But, you know, take what a photographer is talking about, which wouldn't be really the same setup um, for yeah. like your camera. I mean, the lighting similar. But and so I wanted to make it a little bit easier and streamlined for people. And so I was like, hey, there's nothing out there. I'm going to put this out there and hopefully that will help people, you know, from what I know, what well, my limited like knowledge on it at the, at that, yeah. at that time, you, you always, know, it was like, what my se <laughs> second video. So you always put your little disclaimer in the beginning where you say you don't know everything about filmmaking. <laughs> I, I did it. I did it for two of my videos. And then after, like I talked to Daniel Schiffer, cause me and him talked on the phone for a while. He's like, I was like, yeah, I have that disclaimer just because, I mean, people are mean. I mean, it just, it's just the, the reality of life. When you put yourself out there, people are going to be like mean and rude. And like, I could tell you, like, it doesn't bother me, but I'm a human being, you know, if somebody's just saying mean things to you. Um, but like, I, I felt like it was like a way to disarm people because, um, I don't know everything. I still, I still don't know everything. I'm just scratching the surface on filmmaking is what I truly believe. But if I can help people, at least with like the limited knowledge that I have, like I'm all for it. And if like, it's not what you believe, that's totally fine as well. You don't have to like my work. And so that's kind of like what the disclaimer is. Cause I feel like people think that when you put your, your video out there, like a tutorial that apparently you think that you're as great as Roger Deakins at filmmaking or something like that. And that you are claiming to know everything, which is not the case, you know? And so, um, I, but I stopped doing that because Daniel Schiffer was like, dude people are going to be like that all the time you just got to own it because if you don't come across as confident you know by putting these disclaimers then people are not going to take you as seriously and i was like that's true yeah. so i mean i might i might do them again just for fun now at this yeah. point you know it's more like trolling just trolling the the haters yeah yeah i mean i i've had a lot of people tell not a lot of people but some people like really hate the dings in my video and I, yeah, some people really hate them. They're like, you need to take those out. And I'm like, first off, like you're not in a position to demand what I do with my own videos. And second off, like it started out as a joke and I was only going to do it for one video, but because I'm very awkward in front of the camera or I mean, I'm less awkward now because I don't like being in front of the camera. That's the whole reason why I'm a filmmaker to be behind the camera. And so it was a very painful process. And I don't know if you noticed or not, but my tutorials are unscripted. I'm just yeah. pretty much speaking right off the handle. So like there's mess ups in there all the time, but I'm like, I don't know what to, like after I say something, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so like I gave a thumbs up 
I was like, wow, this looks really awkward. I was like, I'm just going to make this more awkward, like make fun of myself kind of thing. So I put yeah. a ding in there and then I was like, oh, I do this a lot. So I guess I'm just going to keep putting dings. And then I wasn't planning on doing it until I started seeing comments of some people being, being like, you need, you need to take your dings out. And I was like, okay, well, I'm definitely leaving them in here now. Cause yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just too funny because I, I mean, I, I just thought it was a joke at first, but then like I had tons of people saying, oh, that's really funny. I love those. And then like, there's a few people that are like super, super furious about it. So I was like, okay, like I'm, this is the perfect, yeah, you know, it's like the perfect balance, but it's, it's a part of, it's a part of like your, your trade, your trademark or your style now, where it's like, if you have to now cut that out, it will be like something's missing, you know, like the awkward little thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, it's most of the time is because I'm just really talking like off the cuff. Like I know what I'm saying, but my mind's running really fast. And so then I realized that I said it all. And then, so there's a pause there and I'm like, oh, okay, that, that's all I'm saying for that part, you know? Um, and so like, I leave them in there and then I make joke ones now where like, cause sometimes I'm like, I'll like on my close ups, I'll be like, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? And then I'll be like, nope, he's not going to do it. And then I'll bring back the ding in like right at the last second. So like I have fun with it. I don't know. It's entertaining to me at this point. So and and with YouTube, what is your I mean the audience will act you know there's always going to be the negative um aspect, but what is your uh what is the receiving end been, you know, with the filmmaking community? Have you received a lot of um well-known filmmakers kind of messaging you or or anything of that that kind like how's the reception been besides like well-known ones besides daniel schiffer no but like uh on instagram for example uh a lot of the filmmaking channels always reshare my stuff and people seem yeah. to really like it on there um and i, I mean i'd say 99 percent of the people like my work you know like again i don't know everything um and sometimes I do mess up on terms when I'm explaining things because my mind's running really fast and I'm not perfect whatsoever. And I like leaving that in there for people because if anybody's afraid and wants to start their own channel, I feel like it's a good example because they see a lot of these guys and like everything's scripted and they look perfect and they look like these untouchable things that you could never do. And so my whole aspect's like, hey, I'm just gonna be super real with you guys. And if you like the work, then you can follow along and, and do the tutorial like I do it, you know? But here it is like, just me kind of thing and i and like i've debated on whether i want to be more serious and like get my, like make the quality i guess of my tutorials look more clean cut like a lot of like the bigger name people but i've always keep leaning back to i'm like i don't want to do that like first and foremost to me it's not about like the image quality of the tutorial itself it's about the information that's in there and then b it's all about the video that i'm making and so my mind has to be pretty much 99% focused on that. Like the tutorial realistically does come second because I can't make a great video if I'm focusing on the tutorial as I'm focusing on the main video as well. And so yeah. like, like if people want me to like make a good video, you know, like I have to, there's something I have to take a, you know, I have to take the time to do that. And then like, I can explain the stuff as I'm going kind of thing, you know, cause I mean, it, it is a lot of work to do both. And it definitely takes up a lot more time on your shoots to be having to like explain everything, explain you know, everything, exactly. but I mean, I do it because I want to help people. I want to help people that are just starting out. Mostly when I first started, like 
I had no clue what to do. And I'd reach out to filmmakers, no, no one famous, just people in my area and be like, hey, I'd love to men be mentored by you. If anything you could teach me, like I don't know that much about filmmaking and people would never respond. You know, they'd read my messages, never respond. And I don't want that for other people. I want people to have like a place and I try to respond to everybody if I can, even the negative comments. Usually I'm just like, thanks for your opinion. I don't, <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool, thank you. <laughs> um, but like, I, I mean, I try, to, I try to be as genuine as I can with everybody. And I mean, it's hard to respond to everybody, but I try my best because I, I wanna hope that somebody out there is so inspired, not only by me, but like I help push them in that right direction by just responding to them and be like, yeah, you can do this don't give up kind of thing. It is really, really hard. Like I'm, I'm not discrediting like the process at all. It is very difficult for anybody that wants to get into this. It's not like you're gonna go to sleep and the next day you're gonna wake up and all of a sudden be super like successful at it. But there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of times I almost wanted to quit filmmaking, you know, and give it up all, all, all together. There's days that you're gonna feel like you're on top of the world. And then there's gonna be days that you feel like you're the lowest part of the world. And even now today, it's not like, everything is always perfect on set or anything like that. So it's just all part of the process of being an artist though. So, and would you say the, I mean, you must get a lot of messages similar to what I sent you in terms of the, you know, like being inspired and you've kind of, you know, triggered new ideas for me, um, getting those kind of messages. Does that just make you want to create more? Is that something that inspires you? You know, it kind of works both ways to hear that you've, you know, motivated someone else. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely does. It definitely does. I mean, after a while, like, you know, if people are always giving you compliments, like it, it almost becomes kind of like a normal thing. So it's not like, I'm not like, oh yeah, totally off of like this person. Like I'm, I'm, I'm stoked when people tell me that they're inspired, like go for it. And I want to see what you create and yeah, share. If you even, I don't care if you copy my thing, sh share it with me. I'd love to see it. Like, I'd love to see how, how it worked out for you. And I hope that people can take my tutorials and then even make a better video because I mean, pay, paving the path is very hard with like these different concepts and it's not going to be the best, you know, because even things that I shoot, I notice I'm like, Oh, well now that I did that, I would do this like differently here kind of thing. Yeah. And so like, I'm hoping, I hope that people can like look at my tutorials and then make something even better, you know, cause I want to raise the whole bar, not just my own bar. And while that's happening, what it really inspires me, it just goes back to just being addicted to creating things. Like it, it's, it's not really so much the compliments, it's just more that I just like, I have ideas in my head and I'm like, can I make this work? Can I make this happen? And if I can, like, it's, it's really cool to see like from, you know, concept to actual finished product of what like I can create in my head onto a camera and then out to the world. So I think that's a very, that's why I like filmmaking so much, you know, cause I can express myself really. So. And going forward, I mean, you, you currently, I mean, you, it's crazy that you say you just started, you know, the product uh, videos like a couple months ago. Um, but going forward, you know, owning your own um, production company, what kind of vision do you see for yourself in the, in the near future? Obviously I'm sure you've got tons of product shoots lined up for once, you know, regulation allows for travel and, and, and all, all of that. But where do you kind of see yourself moving in the next kind of six, 12 months? 
Well, for uh, for my six month plan, um, I mean, I I definitely have my whole three three ten year plan for my business, but for six months, honestly, I'm just gonna keep creating and keep improving through like product videos. And I'm just the kind of person I'll take any opportunity that comes my way. If somebody's like, hey, we want to create this. I actually just finished directing and and shooting a, a commercial. I mean, not a commercial, a TV show in Ireland. So that's going to be rolling out soon, not on the streaming platforms, but like the final products going to be done to hopefully get picked up. You know, you never know with pilot TV shows, but to have that under my belt is going to be pretty awesome. And I'd love to go have the opportunity to do that again, um, like to create another TV show because now that I've done it, I I mean, it was definitely, it, I was definitely out of my, like my skill range, but we shot that whole TV show with, me and another cinematographer and my girlfriend as our PA. Just three of us shot a whole TV show for a company or three episodes. And for pilot episodes for never directing or shooting a TV show before, like I'm actually pretty happy with how it turned out. And I learned so much from that, that now if I did that again, or I was offered the opportunity, cause I'm like, hey, look, we did this with only three people at this budget, which is pretty good, right? I'm, I know exactly how to do that now. I know how to do it. I know what I would do differently and I know how everything would lay out and I'd be like, bang, 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 bang. So you learn from all of your experiences, you know, just because say, even if it doesn't get picked up or anything like that, that's totally fine. But I have that, I have that experience and I have for yeah. the next opportunity. I really, um, my main goal with all this is, I mean, I'm going to keep building my YouTube. I think it's a very great place to, put, uh, put, put your voice as a filmmaker, you know, social media presence does help a lot with getting jobs because you can be a great filmmaker, but if your stuff is never seen, you know, it just, that's the reality is that like, you're not going to get offered jobs, which is a bummer, but it, it is true. And cause it's just a whole new age with filmmaking, you know, and I'm not talking about like on actual production sets where they hire, hire you out as a DP or anything like that. I know there's some amazing DPs and there's amazing directors that don't even have social media. And that's, that's totally fine. I'm, I'm talking about more in like the freelance area where like yeah. I'm at. Right. And, um, eventually I'm going to, I'm going to keep building those and keep creating new content as much as possible. And then my other thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to start, I mean, I've been doing it, but I'm making short films and eventually my whole dream is to direct feature films. And that's what I want to do. I want to write, direct, uh, you know, feature films. So, Would you say uh, that where you are right now, if you have to look three years ago or even when you were in, you know, doing your two year little course that wasn't really filmmaking, would you say you kind of exceeded your expectations and kind of, you know, surprise yourself in a way? I know it's tough to answer, but no, I would say no. I'm really hard on myself. Like I, and I mean, I think it kind of attributes to what, like why, like my, I mean, I know my skill has grown a lot, you know, but I'm still hard on all my films and I'm not to the point where I want to be or Nora. I think I'm, I might be just chasing something that will, I'll never be able to attain, but like, I mean, I'm loving the process in it. And so yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm definitely exceeded my expectations, but I have, I have much bigger dreams and goals like for, for my future. And I think I always will. And I don't really know exactly what those are. I know the direction I want to go, 
but like I'm kind of kind of leave it up to as I go because I feel like if I have this concrete idea and it just doesn't work, then I'm going to be getting frustrated. But like I kind of set a flag or a marker of where I'm heading and, you know, we'll take whatever path I need to take to get to that point. But I don't have like a concrete, this is how it's going to happen kind of thing, you know. And, you know, just the last few questions here, would you say, you know, kind of what would your, I mean, you kind of touched on it in a way with advice for, you know, freelancers trying to get work. Um, do you think social media is kind of that, you know, the big tool that can kind of get you that work? Um, yes and no. yes and no. I mean, if you can build, obviously, if you can build a following, it makes things a lot easier, but that's a lot easier said than done. Um, and I didn't have a following for a very long time until very recently. And I was getting plenty of work by, like I said, doing the whole free to fee thing, you know, yeah. making sure you have a good website and portfolio. And then if you are, if you don't know what to charge, here's a good example. People ask me this all the time. How much should I charge? Like people ask me, they're like, how much do you charge for your videos? So I know how to charge. I'm like, well, you shouldn't charge what I charge because the thing is, is like, like I'm charging with my experience. Like you have to charge what's with, with where your experience is at. And a good way to notice know that is that if you create a portfolio and you're reaching out to companies and you have certain prices and you don't hear back from any of them, then maybe your prices need to be lower, right? And if you're hearing back from way too many of them and your demand is getting higher, it's just, you know, it's, it's, you, you just have to kind of play it. You have to, you have to go with what is happening in the market that you're working in. And so, I mean, I don't have a specific price point for everybody. Some prices work differently for others, you know, uh, but yeah, figure that out, figure out your pricing, build a portfolio, do free to fee. I recommend that it honestly has been the most successful thing in my line of work is free to fee. I know it sounds weird, but you get so much experience and not only that you're, you're building your portfolio, but you get your foot in the door because people are going to hire you if they like your work, they're going to hire you over somebody they never worked with before. And so if you put your foot in the door and maybe that company won't hire you, but they know other companies and other companies know them and they'll see that. And they're like, yeah, that person was great to work with. Well, he can't afford them right now, but maybe you can kind of thing. And I think people would like look at it in like such like a linear thing. They're like, I don't want to give my work away for free. I still do stuff for free because I love creating and it, and it gives me good opportunities. It always opens up doors. The whole reason why I got to direct that TV show and create that t TV show is because I created them a free marketing video back in the day and they reached out to me where there was way more qualified people probably to do what I was doing, but because they knew me and they liked the work that I did, it gave me the opportunity where like I made a good amount of money and I got to spend three months in Ireland filming a TV show. Like how, you know, exactly. So like people can argue about doing things for free, but I would never have had pretty much, I think 90% of my business. So, you know, yeah, that'd be my best advice. I wouldn't even say you need to do the social media as much as just the free to fee thing, you know, if you're starting out, you know, I mean, everybody has their own process. I'm not going to say it's going to work for everybody, but it is a good experience when starting out because you get to keep practicing and the stakes are not as high because the person didn't pay you, especially if you're not ready, you know, to, to be making videos. It gives you experience to make them. And maybe they're not going to share the, the video because they don't like it, but at least that's a start and you put it on your portfolio and maybe yeah. you will like yeah. that, you know, kind of thing. Cool. And last question, um, 
what Netflix or, you know, current TV shows or movies have you, you know, when you watch something that's just really good and it kind of just inspires you to want to go out and create, has there been anything um, that you've watched recently that kind of, you know, sparked a little bit more motivation? Yeah. Or just something, or just something that you like, or something that's like very pleasing yeah. to the filmmaker in you, where you're like, oh, that's yeah. really good. Oh well, a hundred percent. The cinematography in *Peaky Blinders* is probably like, for a TV show, is probably one of my favorites. Um, and honestly, anything that Christopher Nolan does, like, probably he's probably my most favorite director. Not only because I mean. I love that he writes his own stuff, but I love his directing style and he's just overly intelligent. And I can make a pretty solid argument that his three Batman movies are the best superhero oh. films out of anything of that genre. Um, so, I mean, I guess I like darker and edgier things. <laughs> I don't know, but I really, I really do like the cinematography and the storytelling in Peaky Blinders. It took me, if you've never seen Peaky Blinders, uh, give it about three episodes. It's a little bit of a slow yeah. buildup. And also, I think they became, they get less harsh with their accents as they go on because it's very hard to understand them at first or maybe I just get better at understanding them because I had to have stubs, subtitles for like the first two episodes. I was like, I don't know what these guys are saying at all because their accents are so strong. So Yeah, honestly, I watched the first episode and then I kind I think it's, maybe the accents as well because it was just like a bit it was a bit hard to understand exactly what they were saying all the time um yeah i think i watched like one episode but i, I you know everyone always has good reviews so i'm like always tempted to just go back um, do it you you won't regret it just force yourself sometimes you know shows just have to pick up force yourself the first three episodes and then you you know you'll you'll start to get to know the characters and like I said, the cinematography, and I can't remember if the first season it was like that amazing, but definitely going forward, the cinematography in that show was pretty impressive. And like the, the, the lighting is just beautiful and like a lot of the shots and the way that they do it. So, yeah, I actually just finished um, another British uh, series. It's Bodyguard. I don't know if you've watched it. So it's um, if you've watched Game of Thrones, it's Rob Stark the brother that gets killed at the red wedding he's the main he's the main actor in there it is so it's so good like i, I watched six ep it's only a six episode series but it's it was one of those things where it just made me want to kind of go out and, and shoot something i mean i'm stuck at home yeah it, it's it's six episodes it's really good the storytelling is really good in a six series i mean a six episode series it has to be really good and your notes it's fantastic Ooh, have you watched true detective i have not is it on is it on netflix, is it on netflix? HBO. hbo hbo i don't even think season one season one masterpiece woody harrelson and um god what is the guy that does all the buick commercials or is it cadillac buick commercials what's his name he's in <laughs> we, we don't we don't get that on this side of the world <laughs> oh, crap yeah but i know you know who he is he's in <laughs> He used to do like a lot of rom-coms and then he, he was in, uh, was it Million Dollar Baby? What the hell is his name? Uh, no, Texas, uh, Dallas, Texas Buyers Club or whatever. What the heck is this? Uh, crap. He, he's one, 
what's his name? I okay. Well, nevertheless, Woody Harrelson and him, he's a really good actor, are both in the first season of True Detective, and are amazing. And that episode, I mean, that season is so good because it's only a one season kind of thing. And then they switch out to new characters. They have Vince Vaughn in season two. Um, and other people and it's a whole new storyline didn't like it as much season three is really good again but one in three of true detective one of the best shows that and Peaky blinders are probably one of the two best shows hands down i would say game of thrones but after the last season being so terrible like it kind of just lowered so low on my list because you can't you can't build something so much and then you know just kind of just force yeah the yeah and also like I guess I want to put Game of Thrones on that level because there's so much more. There's so much going on. It's like you could throw so much because it's like a fantastical world, right? So you can throw so right. much into it, you know? And with these shows like Peaky Blinders and um, True Detective, it's more really, you know, it's more like on just the characters themselves in the story, which I'm not saying Game of Thrones isn't, but there's a lot more involved with like White Walkers yeah. and dragons and stuff like that. And battles and like that's not what those shows are really about i mean yeah they're shootouts and be blinders but yeah good show good show both of them watch true detective season one your well, mind will be blown i promise <laughs> and uh, lastly anything you've got coming up any new tutorials are you still uploading got stuff lined up oh i got a lot of things <laughs> a lot of things my my this next month i don't even know i'm gonna film everything i have i think about 15 20 different videos that i have to get out for clients and uh personal projects and stuff like that so i got a lot of things coming it's not gonna it's not stopping anytime soon so do you uh, do you find now that you know after putting out a few of those product videos that companies are just like trying to send you stuff hoping you do stuff with them no, i mean i've had random people be like hey i got a company make me a free video like saying it like that i'm like yeah no no <laughs> Because if I'm going to, so here's the thing is if I'm going to do something for free. It has to be my own creative idea. And, um, like, so I'm, the product has to fit around that creative idea. Like, it's not like somebody's going to send me a product and then all of a sudden I get an idea for it. It's the opposite. I have an idea and then I find a product that fits into that when it's free stuff. Right. Um, but then, I mean, if you're going to pay me, then totally fine to do whatever you want, yeah. want me to do kind of thing. You know, I'm a little, I, I don't experiment on the paid pro projects because, you know, I don't want to experiment and try new concepts or something just in case it doesn't work when somebody's paying me. But usually when clients are reaching out to me for product videos, because people ask me all the time, they're like, how do you do such creative things for clients? And I'm like, well, because I already have to, I've already had to have done it kind of thing. And that's what I do with all those like free videos that the tutorials that you see mm -hmm. is because I do those and that's kind of like my testing grounds for when I actually do things for clients that I'm like, oh, that does work. You know, here's the proven process, how to do it kind of thing, you know, but I'm not gonna just experiment and be like, oh, let's get a bunch of water and see how this uh, turns out. You know, that's a terrible, terrible idea yeah. to do because you don't want to surprise your clients. You know, that's not the name of the game. <laughs> Yeah, when uh, when it's your paycheck money. on the line, you gotta just keep it to the to the guidelines. Or basically. you're gonna be doing some expensive reshooting. You know? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Austin, thank you so much for making time. I really appreciate it, man. I think uh, you definitely one of the what what the reason why I contacted you is because in your videos you very 
descriptive in a sense where you you want the person on the other side of the the screen to really understand what you're doing and yeah i think you 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 basically getting what you deserve and you you're really getting the the recognition you deserve so yeah yeah thank you so much man and thank you for reaching out yeah yeah no i really enjoyed it and i mean i love talking about it my whole mindset is if i with anything that i do if i can at least inspire one person to like chase their dreams as a filmmaker or a dream in just general like i i find that it's success it doesn't matter about the views it doesn't matter about the comments it doesn't matter about the work that comes off of it it really like if i can inspire one person because who knows who that person's gonna grow up to be you know and they can help change the world artistically through their films or visions and if like i helped in that direction even if it was just a slight push you know not saying like taking credit for that at all but like just helping inspire somebody to chase their dreams and feel more fulfilled in their life and not feel like how i did out of like college is awesome that's all like i aim for in each video that i do so well you came onto the right podcast because it's in the title as well (laughs) perfect (laughs) I had a feeling. (laughs) 